Don't you just love hearing stories of how Jesus touches and transforms lives? And I just want to issue you an invitation. If you are exploring the Christian faith for yourself, we'd love to have you join us. We've got an upcoming Alpha course. Details for that are in your newsletter. Or if there's a friend that you think, you know, I've been praying for this person and I could invite them and bring them along. Super welcome to do that. Would you just join with me and pray? Lord, right now we just want to pause. We want to still our hearts and our minds before you. We welcome you among us. And Jesus, we thank you for your precious word. And as we just open up a story from Mark this morning, would you speak to us, Holy Spirit? And I want to pray, Jesus, above all today, that we would hear your beckoning invitation to each of us personally. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're commencing a three-week series called Making Room, and today's sermon particularly is talking about slowing, and we're looking at practices that take us deeper with the Lord. The focus isn't about cramming more into our already crowded lives, so much as it is about clearing space, clearing space for the Lord. Eugene Peterson famously wrote, busyness is the enemy of spirituality. And we know that relentless activity comes at a cost, don't we? We know that when we are relentlessly busy, that it's our relationships that suffer. And often that's our relationship with the Lord, if we walk with the Lord, and our relationship with people that we love. And it's in that relentless activity that practices that take us deeper with the Lord, practices like contemplation, prayer, listening to God, meditating on God's word, practices that have us being still that take us deeper with him, those things get squeezed out and we end up doing life on the run and so we have grabs at prayer and read the word here and there or or soak in the word on a Sunday and then off we go for another week and we manage to maintain connection but we fail to build depth because depth does take a bit of time, depth takes this practice of slowing Well, as I sat down to write this message last week, I I just need to have this confession time. I had just come off an intensely full few weeks. I'd probably actually completed one of the, the busiest weeks that I can remember in ministry. And this little voice in my head was saying, who are you to be talking about this? You know, and I had the voice of the accuser one, the evil one loves to be the accuser. And and so there's this little voice that's going, hypocrite. But somewhere in the midst of that, I also heard Jesus whisper, and it's just, it's a, it's a familiar life-giving whisper that I do hear regularly from him, and it was just four words. He just says, come away with me. And it's not driven by guilt of having been too busy, nor is it because I was about to write a sermon on it, so I'd better get cracking, but simply this life-giving, regular invitation, come to me doesn't matter if you've been busy. Come to me. And you know, that is the Lord's invitation to each of us, to enter his rhythm of work and rest. Times of busyness, because that is life, followed by times of slowing. There's a series of episodes in Mark chapter 6 that captures this, I think, so well. Jesus and his disciples have been going from village to village before this, and Jesus has been teaching. And then we're told that 
Right on the back of that, Jesus gathers the 12 disciples to himself and he sends them off on a short-term mission trip. And verses 12 and 13 of Mark 6 summarises what they did. It says they went out, they preached, they healed people from sickness and also delivered them from demons. And this wasn't a one-day excursion because we know from Jesus' instructions to them that they stayed in people's homes and they also went from town to town. So this lasted for a little while. Well, hand up if you've ever been on a short-term mission trip. Few of us have, and those who have will know that it is no holiday. It is a tiring thing. It's usually brilliant, but it's tiring. You're on a lot of the time. You're taking up opportunities that you've never done before. You're stepping into kind of new contexts, new relationships. You're often having to navigate some spiritual attacks along the way. And no doubt the disciples have all of that going on, plus this whole new level of stress because they're not just watching Jesus teach and heal and deliver. Now they're having to step into it for themselves, by themselves, and that's a whole new ball game for them. That's a whole new level of stress. Added to that, I reckon this was an incredibly busy time because in the New Testament, whenever we read that people get healed and delivered, crowds gather. So I reckon the disciples were on a lot of the time because words get out and people come. Well, by verse 30 of Mark 6, the disciples return to Jesus. They've finished the mission trip. They return and they report on all that they'd done and they taught. But even this was not a quiet time of debriefing. You know, usually debriefs are done in some, you know, little solitary place and you get to unpack it all. But no, we're told that even while they're reporting back to Jesus, that so many people were coming and going that they did not even have time to eat. And so... In the midst of that, Jesus issues an invitation to his disciples. He says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I love that invitation. I love that Jesus doesn't expect his disciples to be machines of productivity. I love that in the midst of life-changing, important work, that rest and time alone with Jesus still mattered. And I love that this story says that there is a time for working hard, there is a time for giving of yourself sacrificially, but there is also a time to rest. And did you notice the context for where this rest would be found? Jesus says, come to me. True rest is found in Jesus. The lie that our culture sells us is that rest will be found in that idyllic holiday or that rest will be found in switching off and switching into some mindless entertainment or something like that. I'm a fan of those things, but I also know that the only place where my spirit finds true rest, true joy, true peace is when I take up Jesus' invitation to stop work, to withdraw from the demands and be with him. Right at the outset in Genesis, God built a rhythm of work and rest into creation by modelling it himself and then instructing the people that he loved into a practice of Sabbath. Sabbath was simply a 24-hour period where work would cease and time could be given then to important relationships, time with God and time with people that they loved. Now, for us who live under the new covenant through Christ, we aren't required by some religious law to keep practicing Sabbath. But I really believe that Sabbath still forms a blueprint 
for how God intended our lives to work. That there would be time for work, but then in this 24-hour period, there would be time to switch off, time to rest, time to withdraw, and time to give to our important relationships, God and with people that we do love. Steve and I have endeavoured to practice Sabbath for a few years now, and for us, it's simply a day. It's not a Sunday, because Sunday is a busy day for us. But for us, on the day where we do practice it, we, we just endeavour to give more time in our time alone with the Lord. And so we will actually go apart, and we, we just spend time. For me, it's a day when I journal, because the rest of the days are often too busy, but in journaling I actually slow down and I contemplate, God, where have you been through the week or what are you showing me? What are the themes here? What are the things that you know, I've crossed a line and you actually just need to draw me back to yourself or I need to repent of here? So it's a day where I, I take time to be still and regain perspective. For me, I practice that time because it needs to be a life-giving, renewing practice. And so the place that I find most life-giving for me is actually in my backyard if it's sunny, and so I like to be out in creation, and so I, I do that time outside if I can. Um, it's a day for me where I just go, okay, in this ask practice that we're doing all year, and we're kind of pressing in and we're interceding, we're asking for others and all that sort of thing, I don't do that on my Sabbath day. I actually allow that to rest as well and just go, actually, I just... I just choose, Lord, just to be, to enjoy you, to express gratitude, to, to recenter myself on you, to listen to you, to be in the word. I really want to encourage you to experiment with Sabbath. If you don't already do this, or perhaps if you did once and you've let it go by the wayside, just experiment. What are the practices that would help you slow down? What are the, th the practices that could help you just release the cares and concerns that you are carrying at that point? Because the reality is when we work six days, we come into a day off, and if it's anything like me, like it's like your mind is so racing, even when you s your body is still, your mind still goes. So what are the practices where you can just actually go, I, I centre right now, I practise mindfulness, I will be still with the Lord. So experiment with a bunch of things. On our Sabbath day, this might surprise you, Steve and I don't spend all day in quiet contemplation with the Lord. It is just an hour or so for us. And then we build in other renewing practices where we can. And so, you know, for us, because we often pass like ships in the night all week, we, we spend time with each other. We might go out on a date, go out and lunch, go for a walk, something like that. Just right at the moment, in the season that we're in, we're caring for a, a really ill parent, and so... We're there all the time, and so Sabbath actually has to shift a little in this season that we're in. There are things that we have to do in order to care, but rather than actually entering that time with a sense of have to, we actually choose, so it's an attitude thing. We don't get physical choice in what we're doing, but we get to choose emotionally how we enter it, and so we choose that it will be spacious. We choose that we will do it from a place of restful peace rather than a sense of have to get through this, carrying the stress of it. Does that make sense? Sometimes Sabbath is prohibited by our life circumstances. Not, not completely, but we just have to adapt it and we have to bring a different attitude into some things that get pressed upon us. And so I really want to encourage you, you know, not only just to consider the practice of Sabbath, but also consider the season of life you're in. Don't write it off just because you're in a busy season. We're not the first to be raising young children or caring for um, people that we love. 
So just work out how does it work in the season that you're in. But just know that this is Jesus' invitation. It's life-giving, and especially if you're in that season where you're caring for someone, you need Sabbath more than ever to be able to withdraw and find renewal in the Lord. So as we respond to Jesus' invitation to come to him to a quiet place, part of slowing might be just reclaiming Sabbath, reclaiming that 24-hour period or whatever period you're able to give to it, where we shift gear from that which keeps us on, that which keeps us in that place of being demanded of. We shift gear into a spacious place with the Lord and with people we love. But I believe that slowing can also be built into our daily rhythm as well. And so whether it's early morning time with the Lord or time during your commute, time during your lunch break, some other time, it's just making that commitment, that intentional choice to step aside from relentless activity, from the constancy of demands, stepping aside from mindless entertainment. You know, I I find increasingly I've actually got to leave my phone somewhere else because it's all too tempting to grab that phone, and especially when it goes off to go there. So, you know, just find ways of just going, actually, I just enter this space, even for short grabs through the day, but I will switch off from that which demands of me. Let's go back to our story in Mark 6. The disciples have been working hard. Jesus invites them to come away with him to this quiet place and get some rest. And so the passage says they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Isn't that a great plan? But the story continues. Many who saw them leaving recognized them and they ran on foot from all the different towns, it says, and they got there ahead of them before the boat even landed. You know, if the first part of this story is invitation, I'm going to call this next part invasion. Anyone who has ever attempted to build Sabbath or build a regular rhythm of slowing down to be with the Lord into your life will know all about invasion. Things come up. Disruptions happen. Demands crowd out the time that you'd set aside. Don't be surprised and don't get discouraged because this even happened to Jesus. Sometimes things that invade our time with the Lord are beyond our control as it was for the disciples in this story. These people weren't invited. They just showed up. But I'm really struck by Jesus' response to the invasion. Because if it were me, you know, in all honesty, I would just be a little bit grumpy. You know, if, if I've been on all the time and I'm going to get some space, well, I want space, right? Instead, we're told that when Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things, it says. See, Jesus didn't see invasion. It wasn't all about him. Jesus saw people, real people, real needs. When unavoidable things come up and invades our time that we'd set aside for the Lord, you know, just ask for Jesus' eyes and heart to respond as he would. So sometimes invasions are beyond our control as they were in this story, but you know many times it is in our control. And it's about us prioritizing and scheduling our time with the Lord into our calendar, rather than just seeing what crops up, having it as some aspirational thing that I may or may not get to, and then just seeing how life unfolds. Because I can guarantee if you approach it like that, it will not happen. About seven years ago, a group of us from PBC embarked on a journey of building Sabbath into our lives. Some of you were co-conspirators with me in that. And the thing that we discovered pretty quickly 
was that we would have to jealously guard our Sabbath time because all manner of invasions would come up. We realised that it was partly the result of living in a 24-7 culture and so everyone expects you to be on all of the time. You're accessible always. But we also suspected as time went on because the invasions got to be so ridiculous and they would only come on the days that we'd set aside. We came to suspect that Satan perhaps was using whatever invasions he could to steal our time with the Lord. And so we learned together that we had to get better at saying no and that we actually had to physically put our Sabbath commitment into our our calendar, our diary, so that we would think twice before mindlessly putting other things in. Because really, what does it say to Jesus when he gets bumped by a better offer week after week? Or even worse, what does it say to him when we're just too busy? Invasions will happen. Respond graciously to the unavoidable and learn to say no to that which can wait. Well, let's return to our story in Mark 6. The crowds have invaded. Jesus spends the day teaching them. Evening falls. Jesus and the disciples end up multiplying bread and fish and feeding the crowd, which is again like this practical expression of Jesus' compassion on them. But then it says, in verse 45, it says, immediately after dinner, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him while Jesus dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, Jesus went up on a mountainside to pray. I'm going to call this part of the story insistence. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and row away while the crowd were still there? I suspect that two things were going on here. Firstly, it would signal to the crowd, we're done here, there's nothing more, it's time for you to go. And secondly, the boat would provide this temporary cocoon for the disciples to rest. Do you think the crowd were going to leave on their own accord? You know, if people are getting healed and delivered and and fed and whatever, do you think they're going to go, oh, good, well, we're, we're finished? I don't think so. I think this is a pretty persistent crowd. And so Jesus has compassion on them, but then there comes a point where he just insists on creating a boundary, drawing a line for time alone with the Father, time for the disciples to rest. Can I let you in on a secret? It's okay to say no. It's okay to draw boundaries, even if the only thing written in your diary that day is Jesus. When you get pressured by people, by plans, there will be times when you need to insist that you have another commitment that is actually important for you to keep, rather than seeing it as like sort of this optional space. We're going to keep building on this concept of making room over the next two weeks, but but today, right now, this is too good a space to miss. We just really want you to hear Jesus' invitation today from Mark 6. Come with me to a quiet place and get some rest. In Matthew 11, 28, Jesus frames up that, a similar invitation like this. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, he says, and my burden is light. I want to invite you to close your eyes. This is Jesus' invitation to you. Come to me. Come to me, he says. For those who find themselves weary, those who find themselves burdened, those who have run hard all term, Perhaps it's not a physical busyness that you've been in, but there's just emotional stuff that's been happening. 
Jesus invites you to a, a life-giving rhythm that you can enter into each day and each week, a drawing aside to cast your cares on him, cast all your anxiety on him, to place the things that are causing you stress in his hands and to just be. So Lord, in the quiet right now, would you show us how we might make room to take up that invitation to come to you? And so if you don't already have a practice of drawing near to the Lord each day, I just want you right now just to, to think through how could that look? What time of day might it be? What might you do in that time? Where in physically would you locate it? In your house or somewhere else? Just have a talk with the Lord about that daily time right now. And then also just consider how a Sabbath period could look in your life if you don't already practice that. Is there a 24-hour period where you could just cease from doing a few things, cease from work or study? But there may be one or two other things that cause you just a constancy of being on, just a couple of things that you might actually choose not to do on that day in order to create a spacious place. And there might be some life-giving practices that you choose to do on that day. So I just want you to imagine with the Lord just how that could look right now. Allow the Lord to continue to speak with you over the coming weeks. Experiment, tailor how those times can look in your life. What works, what doesn't work. Don't be driven by guilt in it, but hear Jesus' invitation. Come to me. Come to me and find rest for your soul. And just with your eyes still closed, we're going to create some space just to draw near to Jesus right now. And I did mention that quite often our minds are busy. And so this is just a, an exercise to focus, an exercise to centre on Jesus. And so if there's kids here, I invite you to do this with us as well. Just make sure that you're sitting in a comfortable position. And now with your hands open, would you place your palms face down on your lap? Palms face down on your lap. And this is a position of letting go. What are the things that are on your mind? Distractions, stresses, concerns, things coming up that you know you have to do. Just as they come to mind, would you consciously let go of each thing? Just, just tell Jesus the, what it is. And would you just, in your mind, just see yourself giving that to him, releasing it out of your hands and giving it to him.
now just turn your hands over so their palms up. And this is a position of receiving. Receive what the Lord wants to give you. His love, his strength, his care, his healing, his provision, or whatever else it might be that he brings to your mind. Receive from him. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And this I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And these are the words of Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Just continue in that contemplative place. Just as the background music continues. We've deliberately created a space at the back end of our service today just to enjoy a spacious place with the Lord, for you to meet with the Lord. There are some pens and paper um, down here at the cross and there might be something that you would like to write down, um, some things that you feel you need to leave at the cross. It might be something that's weighing on you or something that you need to trust him for or seek his forgiveness for. You're welcome to come to the cross and write that down and place that in the basket. in this spacious place um, when you're ready you might come to the communion table the bread and the wine here are symbols of Jesus' body and blood so just draw near to him, come and receive those things, take those things and just remember his sacrifice just, you know, we use this word communion, make it a communing with the Lord as you take them and around the room, we're also going to have some of our prayer team wearing a lanyard. I really want to encourage you to go to one of them for prayer. They're just really keen to pray for Jesus' refreshing and strength. Um, there may be something that you would like prayer particularly for. You might just seek them to, to just bless you in the name of Jesus. Prayer is so powerful. Jesus meets us as we pray with one another. So you're welcome to take up that opportunity as well. Just if there are kids and young people in our service, I just really want to encourage you to... Um, you draw near to Jesus in this time as well. 
you're also welcome to come to the cross and write down what you want to give to Jesus. Come to the table and receive Jesus' love and grace. Go and be prayed for. Or even just pray quietly where you are. Lord, we just want to say we draw near to you right now. Would you continue to meet with us? I want to pray freedom into this time as we meet you at the cross and at the table or in prayer. Lord, freedom to receive your invitation to draw near and to respond. And freedom just to be still where we are. Would you meet with us? Thank you, Jesus, that in your word you say, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit.
you for your presence. Thank you that you meet with us. God, we thank you for the rest and for the peace, for the quietness that is in you. Jesus, I want to pray that we would, through this week and through weeks and months to come, that we would continue to hear your life-giving invitation to us. Come with me by yourself to a quiet place. God, I pray that our ears would be attuned to hear your invitation regularly throughout our days, throughout our nights, throughout even the waking hours in the wee hours of the night, Lord God. We would hear your whisper, we would hear your beckoning invitation to draw aside, to be still, to come to you. God, I just pray um, just rest and renewal and refreshing over your people who are gathered here today, God. I pray, Lord, that we would carry a sense of stillness and your presence with us as we go into the rest of this day. I pray, Lord God, that your stillness in us would, your peace within us would overflow into those that we would um, interact with through the rest of this day and into tomorrow and the week to come as well. And Lord, as some of us are about to jump into probably what is one of the busiest weeks in our church calendar with the holiday program, God, we even in that, we choose to walk with steadiness and peace and stillness. And even within the midst of the extra activity, we we still choose to hear your invitations in the quiet time to draw aside still and renew for the next day and the next and the next this week. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to pray too, Lord, for those who are in our midst right now who just found that exercise hard, that actually drawing near to you was difficult. Jesus, I know that you speak no condemnation over people. So I want to lift any condemnation or any feelings that you might have around that. But yeah, I just want to pray, Lord, for those who are struggling to to connect with you right now. God, I want to pray um, breakthrough. I want to pray a way forward in that. And I just want to issue an invitation. If you do find yourself in that place, that you know you're welcome to talk with one of us, the pastoral team. We'd love to pray with you in that. There is no condemnation, but Jesus always beckons us to Himself. So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed.